is going on, true crime fans? I'm your host, Teeth. And I'm your host, Daphne. And you're listening to Going West. Hello, everybody. Today's case was recommended by Carly, Liz, and Mitchell. So thank you guys so much for recommending this one. This one actually happened right when we first, Heath and I visited Idaho for the first time before we lived there randomly for like five months. So I remember seeing the billboards and posters for this one as we drove there from Oregon. Yeah, I remember that as well. Yeah, they were all over the side of the road. Yeah, because as we'll get into, this town is situated like right near the border of Oregon and Idaho. So we pass right through it. But finally, we are covering this case. So again, thank you guys for the recommendation. And let's dive right in. All right, guys, this is episode 326 of Going West. So let's get into it. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. We've got a very different kind of sponsor for this episode, The Jordan Harbinger Show, a podcast you should definitely check out since you're a fan of high-quality, fascinating podcasts hosted by interesting people. The Jordan Harbinger Show covers such a wide range of topics through weekly interviews with heavy-hitting guests. And there are a ton of episodes that you're going to find interesting. Jordan is super charismatic and well-voiced, so I loved listening to his recent episode with Susan Casey called Unraveling Mysteries in the Ocean's Darkest Depths. It was so creepy and interesting, and he goes across every category with other episodes like Romance Twister, My Mister Once Dated My Sister, or his monthly Skeptical Sunday episodes about controversial topics from crystal healing to cannabis to Ouija boards. There is something for everyone. We really enjoy this show, and we think you will as well. There's just so much here. Check out jordanharbinger.com start for some episode recommendations or search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. In July of 2021, a boy went missing from his own neighborhood in Fruitland, Idaho. After over a year of active searching with no clues, an arrest was finally made. But as police heard from the suspect, they learned that other people in the house could have been involved. But why and what exactly happened? This is the story of Michael Vaughn.
Michael Joseph Vaughn was born on June 24th, 2016 in Fruitland, Idaho, which like I just mentioned, is situated near the border of Oregon. It's a small town of around 6,000 people sitting right by the Snake River that intersects Oregon, Idaho, Washington, Utah, Nevada, and Wyoming. Michael's mom, Brandy Neal, was in a previous relationship with a man named James Thebo, giving Michael two older siblings named Kira and Ben. But after Brandy separated from James, she started dating and became engaged to a man named Tyler Vaughn. And together, Brandy and Tyler had Michael, and then Michael's little sister, Aria, who they nicknamed Buggy, whereas Michael himself was commonly known by the nickname Monkey. Michael was goofy and sweet, he was a happy kid who loved to play, and he treasured the time he spent with his siblings. Now sadly, that's pretty much it for his backstory because he was only five years old when this all happened. So the evening of July 27th, 2021 began like any other. Michael went outside to find a playmate from the neighborhood and a normally quiet area. This particular intersection sat opposite a farm and it seemed like a perfectly safe place for kids to play outside. That evening, his mom Brandy was at work while his dad Tyler was home with the kids, but the last that Tyler saw, Michael was playing Nintendo in their living room. Tyler went to check on Aria in her room and then ordered a pizza for dinner, and when he returned to the living room to check on Michael, Tyler found that his son was gone. So obviously panicked, he called his wife Brandy right away, who raced home from work, but police were already there talking to Tyler when she arrived. Like, they got there very quickly to try to figure out what was going on, because like I said, Michael is so young, and I'm sure all the parents out there know, like, you turn your back for 30 seconds and the kids are gone and they could be anywhere, you know? Yeah, absolutely terrifying thought. Totally. So Michael was last seen in the area of his home, which is located at the intersection of Southwest 9th Street and South Arizona Avenue in Fruitland between the hours of 6.30 and 7.15 p.m. Now, it being a very hot summer day with temps reaching 93 degrees Fahrenheit, the sun went down at nearly 9.30 p.m. So they were looking for him in the daylight, luckily. But of course, it was fleeting fast. While home security cameras did not appear to capture an abduction, they did show a white Honda pilot driving by the house around the same time that Michael would have gone outside. Multiple neighbors reported seeing Michael walking through the neighborhood, but did not see him interacting with anybody. His mom, Brandy, said that it wasn't common for him to venture off on his own, saying, quote, he's wandered a few times, but it doesn't make sense. Ground searches for Michael began immediately. Police, his family, and also volunteers combed the area, just hoping that he had simply strayed too far on his own and was hiding somewhere. They searched the streets, the adjacent farm and nearby parks, even checking drains, bushes, trash cans, public bathrooms, and essentially any small place where a child could be concealed. And in addition to the Fruitland Police, the Idaho Mountain Search and Rescue Team and the National Guard were also brought in very quickly. Canine search dogs tracked his scent to the end of the road on which the family lived, and according to them, it just disappeared after that. And just to give you guys a visual, we're going to post photos on our socials if you guys want to see Uh, Michael's family home and the street as well because you might just be picturing like a regular suburban neighborhood so they technically lived in one but directly across the street from the Vaughn's home 
is the farm, like we said, but it's like, picture like sprawling greenery, like sprawling green field. So it's not like, oh, it's a farm property and there's like a house. It's like, there's no house in sight. It's just like this large, large, large field. Yeah, essentially it's a residential area that's right on the very outskirts of that residential area. So it's, it is backed up. All right, not backed up, but uh, it's right across the street from this massive farm. Yeah, so, but if you go further behind it, like across from the farm, behind their house, there's other streets of, you know, suburban streets of other homes, um, like any regular suburban neighborhood, but they're like at the edge of that. So just to kind of give you a visual. So his family and especially his parents just searched tirelessly for any sign of Michael. But as the hours and eventually days passed, they started to fear that maybe Michael had been kidnapped. Brandy said, quote, I've walked every inch of this town. I've literally worn my feet to the bone. Police issued a picture of the white Honda Pilot captured on security camera footage and announced that they wanted to speak with the driver. But sadly, they were unsuccessful in tracking this car down. And we'll post a picture so you guys can see that too. One neighbor who was questioned claims that they spotted Michael heading east, away from his home, perhaps looking for another neighborhood child, or perhaps being lured away. On the evening of Wednesday, July 28th, 2021, Tyler wrote a post on Facebook that read, quote, Please share. Please help me find my little boy. Update. 7 o'clock tonight will be 48 hours. They won't issue an Amber Alert, so please, wherever you are, no matter how far away, please share and help me find my monkey. I also want to thank my friends and the entire community for their help, love, and support. It's been nothing short of amazing. But commenters who weighed in pointed out that Michael had actually only been missing since the day prior, making it 24 hours and not 48 hours. Tyler never responded to these claims, and it was assumed that he just made a typo. But there's also been some suspicion aimed his way. On one post that he made about his son's disappearance, someone wrote ominously, quote, You know what happened to Michael. So obviously the parents are always suspected, at least at first. You have to rule them out, right? But as far as police have announced, no one in Michael's family has been suspected of involvement in his disappearance. And they were administered polygraph tests, but they all passed. Now, for reference, because Heath had read the post where Tyler was saying that, you know, they were not issuing an Amber Alert, police will not always issue one immediately because they have to first have concern that an abduction definitely took place. So if there's doubt that a child was actually kidnapped, they'll err on the side of caution and decline to send out the alert. There also has to be an available description of the vehicle or the person who took the child. And unfortunately, in Michael's case, police had neither. So an Amber Alert wasn't issued to tell the whole area to be on the lookout. But the community of Fruitland really rallied around the grieving family and helped spread awareness with flyers and social media posts. More than 1,200 tips poured in and dozens of people were interviewed. But sadly, in the crucial early days of Michael's disappearance, nothing credible came through and there was just no sign of him. While no theory seemed to rise just yet, police announced pretty early on, quote, there is a high probability of abduction. 
Investigators scoured the area surrounding Michael's neighborhood, which included multiple parks, farms, and of course the Snake River, making possible hiding places nearly endless. But still, they fanned out and just searched everywhere they thought that a kidnapped child could possibly be concealed, but with no link to either Michael or his potential abductor, they continued to come up empty-handed. The Fruitland Police Department then announced, quote, The many miles of waterways present significant challenges for us, and there is a lot of debris and vegetation overgrowth along the banks of the Snake River and its sloughs. It will be slow going along the river, but as you know, we're leaving no stone unturned. They also explained that they were searching a large sewer drain in a nearby subdivision with a high-resolution camera. So they were, they were really out there. Fruitland PD continued, quote, Police ask residents to continue searching their properties, walking fence lines, and checking any drainage that might run through. In the nearby Snake River, which is the ninth largest in the United States, investigators sent recovery divers and boats. They scanned the water and banks from above with helicopters and drones, and cadaver dogs and volunteer search parties canvassed the area. But still, nothing at all turned up, like no remnants of his clothing or any credible clue as to where he'd gone. Still, they assured the public that the case was not cold, saying, quote, We have investigated over 1,200 tips in our investigation into Michael's disappearance. As members of this community, we agonize with the family and have dedicated our resources to bringing Michael home. But somehow, Michael's family maintained their positivity, and they also remained convinced that he was still alive, theorizing that he was being held captive somewhere. Four months after Michael vanished, his mom Brandy said, quote, 138. Today marks 138 days since the last time I got to hug him or kiss him. I don't understand why that day was so different. One minute he's here and people see him, and the next he's gone. There are so many people caring and trying to help and helping, and I really couldn't imagine trying to do this on my own, or any of us or our family to do this on our own. I don't think I'll ever be able to say thank you enough. I just pray to God he can see something or know that we're not giving up hope and we're going to find him. I just hope that he sees something. In an interview, Brandy later said, quote, I know in my heart he's alive. I know, I know he is, and I know he's coming home. But months gave way to a year and the family was left with nothing but questions. Then, 16 months after Michael went missing, an arrest was finally made. On November 12th, 2022, the Fruitland Police Department arrested a local woman who lived in the same neighborhood. 35-year-old Sarah Wandra lived just four minutes away from Michael's family on foot. Brandy has stated that the family did not know Sarah and her husband Stacy prior to the arrest. And oddly, Stacy was already in police custody for unrelated charges and had also been incarcerated since May of 2022. Which is like a little less than a year after Michael went missing. So he was being held on charges of theft, attempting to commit a felony, and unlawful possession of a weapon by a felon. Sarah and Stacy have a tumultuous history, and the couple actually filed for divorce at one point. Also, Sarah began going by one of her other surnames, either Ramsey or Chambers. 
Though the timeline of their separation is unclear, it appears that it happened sometime in between Michael's disappearance and her arrest. The exact timing is unknown because her explanation for their divorce can only be found in an undated screenshot on her Facebook page. But in her post, Sarah wrote, quote, I just want to put this out there. If you're my friend and you know that I'm going through this divorce right now, just know, as much as I wish I could delete the other profiles I have right now, Stacy blocked me out of all accounts. So they unfortunately are still there, but I have blocked them and thank God, I don't have to look at them anymore but I don't have a way to delete them, so just ignore them. No, I'm not with him anymore ever again. Praise be to God. However, by the time she was arrested, they appeared to have been reconciled. All of her posts leading up to her arrest are centered around either Stacy or her faith. Lauren Mathias, who is the host of the Hidden True Crime podcast and has become pretty much the de facto spokesperson for Michael's family, addressed Sarah's arrest in an interview saying, quote, They do not know who she is, and I asked that again to Brandy, do you have any idea? And she said no. But the couple that lives there, they're both now in custody. Stacy, Stacy Wandra, has been behind bars since May, arrested and charged on federal something else. And it was just Friday that his wife, Sarah, was taken into custody, though neither have been charged now in Michael or Monkey's disappearance. But they're both in custody, and this is their backyard that they are now digging in. Sarah and Stacy run a taxi service company in the area called Faith Taxi. And from her Facebook, she appears to be somewhat of a fire and brimstone Christian. However, many people have pointed out that her posts and online presence only took a seriously religious bent after Michael's disappearance. And this was really her main online persona. Like she would write Facebook posts and make TikTok videos about how many people she knew were going to go to hell and that the rapture was coming and humanity needed to prepare for repenting. She even admitted in one update that she was ashamed of her past, saying, quote, one day when you see my picture, I hope you realize that Jesus is a part of my life and he is the one making everything better. So when you see Jesus in me, despite who I am or who I've been, because I have been not very good to people in the past, that God is changing all of that. I hope you see your need for Jesus as well, because none of us can do it without him. One neighbor added that she was very active on their neighborhood next door page. I'm sure a lot of you guys have next door. It's like the app where you can connect with your neighbors and post about if your dog is missing or if you had a break in or things like that. And that she would post, quote, some very strange shit. Like the rest of the suspects in Michael's case, she has a bit of a checkered past. So among other charges, Sarah has been charged with theft, identity theft, battery, and unlawful possession of a weapon by a felon. I mean, she just, you know, seems like a really great Christian example. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's what she meant by that whole post I just read, is that she wasn't a good person in the past. But uh, regarding the possession of a weapon by a felon, reportedly, she had also pulled a gun on a house guest to threaten them in April of 2022. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, 
can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you are allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medications that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, just visit Juvederm.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volix XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment, no maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volix XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. We know you guys love a good mystery, especially one with twists and turns. Am I right? This is why you guys are going to love June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker while she tries to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder in the roaring 1920s. In this hidden object mystery game, put your detective skills to the test. While you're on this quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret, you can customize your very own luxurious estate island and let your imagination run wild. Daphne and I actually love to play this game together because you can chat with and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. It is truly so much fun. You guys are going to love it. So what do you think? Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Heath and I are major sufferers of seasonal allergies. They are the worst. It can even be difficult to host this show when our noses are all clogged up. We have tried brand after brand, but luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. And big shout out to Claritin for supporting this show and providing us with samples. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. I feel like I sneeze all day long. I always have an itchy face. But now I can actually go outside in the grass and not have a sneeze attack or be stuffed up thanks to Claritin D. 
Are you ready to live as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so that you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. As true crime listeners, you're aware of the dangers out there in the world. So why not keep your home as safe and secure as possible? Daphne and I do this by using Simply Safe. For award-winning security and peace of mind wherever your summer plans take you. When we get ready for our summer trips this year, I will feel so much better about leaving the house knowing that Simply Safe has our back, just freeing me from my constant anxieties. And also something I love is that their system blankets your entire home in protection from break-ins to fires to floods. And with indoor and outdoor cameras to choose from, you will feel safe any time of day or night. And Simply Safe is backed by 24-7 professional monitoring agents to help stop crimes in real time. Which is part of why they were named the best home security system of 2024. Simply Safe has given us and so many listeners real peace of mind, and we want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash going west. There's no safe like Simply Safe. So before that break, Daphne basically told us that Sarah Wondra had been arrested in connection to Michael's disappearance. And, and that she has a rap sheet. Yes, and that she has a very long rap sheet. And now she is a fire and brimstone Christian who basically tells everybody that they're going to hell. Right. So rightfully so, Sarah's arrest caused a significant stir in the community of Fruitland. In conjunction with her arrest, police announced that they believe others in addition to Sarah have knowledge of how and why Michael died and where he was concealed. Now, it's unclear who tipped the police off to Sarah's potential involvement, but supposedly, two other residents lived with Sarah and Stacy at their home, and it's believed to have been one of them. However, those two people are also thought to have knowledge of Michael's fate and also his whereabouts. So, it's like, um, are they just like folding on Sarah and Stacy at this point? Uh, who knows? So, the nature of the relationship between the four people who were either living in or staying at the house at the time has not been made clear. And it's possible that they were all friends or that the two men living with Sarah and Stacy were just renting rooms from them. One of the men is 33-year-old Adrian Lucian from Toledo, Ohio. And Adrian also has a very interesting history to say the least. While he's originally from Toledo, he's had residences all over the country. At one point, he was operating a men's lifestyle branding company out of his apartment in Dana Point in Orange County, California. He's had multiple complaints filed against him in Los Angeles County for delinquent child support payments from the mother of his children, Sasha Williams. In 2018, Adrian, who was 28 at the time, was stopped for a routine traffic violation in Ohio. And it's unknown whose car they were driving, but it was a Cadillac Escalade with New York plates, and Adrian was accompanied by a 19-year-old woman. When their car was searched, police recovered $5,000 worth of methamphetamine. 
He was arrested and charged with second-degree felonies, one for possession and then one for drug trafficking. But somehow, he evaded doing any prison time for these charges. Adrian was released on bail, and the charges against him were dropped after just 30 days. He also appears to be attempting a career as an actor, as he has a profile on Backstage.com, which is a website uh, where actors can submit themselves for upcoming projects. His bio reads, quote, Hello, my name is Adrian. I'm a versatile and self-taught actor. As a voice actor, I'm charismatic and multifaceted. Comedic improv skills would make me an asset to your creative project. As recently as February, he posted an update that read, quote, I have an eclectic taste in fashion, including hot couture and modern style. My abstract writing style focuses on surrealism and real-life experiences. Musically, I can produce underground songs and content. Athletically, I can play any sports role you offer me. All right. <laughs> Seems like he's got a, a pretty big ego when it comes to his acting career. Well, strangely, this post lists his hometown as Washington, D.C., so it's possible that someone is simply using his picture in their profile, but given Adrian's kind of transient nature and his unpredictable movements and unstable career, it seems likely that it is him. The timing of this post and the fact that his profile remains active is kind of strange because the Fruitland police have been looking for him to question him in relation to Michael's disappearance. But without concrete evidence and a reason to arrest him in connection with the case, he remains free and able to move around the country as he pleases and, you know, act in things. Police believe that he's either currently in California or back in Ohio, and it's unknown what he was doing in Idaho in the first place. But like Heath kind of said, he moved around a lot, it seemed. He did. I mean, again, but to in that point, to live in a small town on the border of Oregon and Idaho when you're trying to be an actor doesn't really seem like a very helpful location. But if anybody does know this guy and you've seen him out there in the world... Uh, please contact the police because they're really looking to speak with this guy. Indeed. So one true crime YouTuber whose name is Jonathan Lee Riches, he runs the channel JLR True Crime, attempted to actually locate Adrian by reaching out to Adrian's father on Facebook and published his response. Adrian's dad, Frank, said that the two had been, quote, estranged for some time now and added, quote, there isn't much I can do. I don't know where he is. I never know where he is. So the extent of Adrian's involvement continues to be unknown, and police have been very tight-lipped about their investigation into the four persons of interest. However, as we said, it's believed that someone in the home blew the whistle on Sarah Wandra's potential involvement, which is what led to her arrest. So for example, if that is Adrian, and he knows that she's involved it would be very helpful to talk to him and figure out why he, if he did blow the whistle, why he did it. Yeah, and and I wonder, yeah, like you're saying, I wonder why or what the reason was, you know? Well, they must have maybe seen something, heard her talking about it, witnessed her doing something, you know? Yeah, I just wish we had those details. And, well, exactly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, the police probably have somewhat of an idea, but obviously that has not been released to the public. Right. Well, let's talk about her other house guest or her other roommate, whatever you want to call him. Yes, let's get into it. So the Wondrous other roommate at the time or house guest at the time was Brandon Shirtliff. 
Like Adrian, Brandon is a father himself, and he hails from Kuna, Idaho, and is now believed to be in North Dakota. But like Adrian, has not been helpful in this investigation at all. Now, according to recent publications, he's changed his appearance to avoid publicity or being connected to this case. Which makes you wonder two things. One, is he doing this because he had nothing to do with it and he doesn't want anybody to think that he did? And he just wants to be, like, left alone? Yeah, or is he guilty of something? Did he witness something and he just doesn't want any part of it or he doesn't want to go down for anything that he was a part of? Well, Jonathan Lee Rich has actually spoke with Brandon directly. And when asked if he knew Michael or knew anything about what had happened to him, Brandon explained that none of them knew the Vaughn family before Michael went missing. He explained that Stacy had been back at home by himself while he, Sarah, and Adrian were spending the evening together and that the three of them caught wind of Michael's disappearance and actually offered to help search the neighborhood for him. However, Regardless of what happened to Michael in the few minutes that he was alone on the street that day, police now say that they have reason to believe that all four persons of interest, Sarah and Stacey Wandra, Adrian Lucian, and Brandon Shirtliff, have knowledge of what happened to Michael that day, or were involved in his disappearance. Officers have claimed that they've received credible information that Michael was deceased and could be found on the grounds of the Wandra's home. Sarah's arrest was made on probable cause that she had explicit knowledge of Michael's death, even if she wasn't involved and that she chose not to report it. When the police forced entry into their home to arrest Sarah on the evening of Friday, November 12, 2022, she was reportedly very confused. Now, according to the arresting officers, she was read a copy of the search warrant for her home, which alleged that Michael's murder had taken place inside or around her home and that his body had been concealed there. And to this, Sarah apparently responded multiple times, quote, Did you just say murder? She then protested this, saying, quote, I have never murdered anyone. Then she claimed, I definitely did not kill that boy, before saying, quote, The Most High God already told me who did it. Oh, wow, wow. The Most High God just told me that Stacy was the one who killed him and buried him in the yard of the neighbor's house. I mean, this is just insane. Like, I get it if if she didn't do it and she's saying, wait, what? You're you're charging me for murder? Like, those are, are fair statements to make if that's true. But then to suddenly say, wait, I'm just this just in. God's telling me that it was my husband and... And he buried him in the yard of the neighbor's house. Like, it's like, what? Yeah, I mean, it's so weird that she just, like, suddenly, because she was being accused of this, just, like, flipped the switch real quick, like, turned on her husband in a in a heartbeat. Right, because God just came down and told her this in that moment, which it's like, what? Very, very nutty. So it's worth noting that multiple neighbors of the Wondras have criminal records for pedophilia but police have not confirmed that there is a link to any of the Wanderers' neighbors. Ugh, just terrifying. Not good. So with that, the search of the Wanderers' home and backyard at 1102 Red Wing Street in Fruitland commenced. And by the way, this house is a three-bed, two-bath, and it's very much in the suburban area. Like, there's houses all around it. It's, it's very much like if you do anything in the, their front yard, like you're across the street neighbor, your diagonal neighbor, your next door, like everyone's going to see it, you know? So this is not a remote area at all. Right. And I just want to be clear real quick before we move on that uh, 
uh, we're in no way making any fun uh, making fun of anybody's like religious beliefs. No, no, no. But this woman is a fucking nut. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, I'm glad you cleared that up. But just to for her to suddenly say that, it just felt like oh, she knew that she was going down, and now she's trying to pretend like God is telling her who it really was. And that's her way of trying to get out of it as if, oh, I just got the answer, you know, and that just feels really phony and unfair. I guess my question is, is she actually, does she actually believe that that happened or does she know that she's full of shit and making it up? I mean, I think the latter, but that's just me. So the Wanderer's backyard was excavated and cadaver dogs were brought through the house to indicate to the smell of decomposition. Now, the dogs allegedly alerted to multiple locations, including the toilet in Sarah and Stacy's bathroom. Radars were run over the yard to spot abnormalities beneath the surface, and digging penetrated four feet into the ground. But sadly, they didn't find any sign of Michael. As the search progressed, Lauren, who's the family spokesperson, reported, quote, This is a home that is close to the family. We know that they're being very slow and methodical. They came over to see Brandy. I spoke with her earlier this afternoon today, and she is not doing okay. That is a direct quote from her. Quote, we are not okay. I've had to tell his siblings that he might not be coming home. But as far as what they're doing, they're being very methodical. They have a backhoe. They have canines, and they're putting dirt into a dump truck. And then they're going away, and they're sifting through that dirt. And they did go over to Brandy's home and they told them, this is happening, we have a tip, we're looking for remains. Lauren said that this came as a horrifying surprise to Michael's parents, who were still hoping, of course, for positive news. She continued, quote, When law enforcement went over today to, again, to kind of debrief with them and let them know what was going on, they specifically said to Brandy, do not come over to this house. And she told me very clearly, she said, It's doing everything I can to not go over there. She said, this is my baby. This is my baby. So she said she was pacing back and forth, trying so hard not to go over to that house. And then she did start crying when she said the words remains. They used the word remains. And she said, I'm not there yet. I'm not ready to use that word yet. There's still hope. And I'm not ready to tell his siblings that he's not coming home. Not yet. In a press conference held on Thursday, December 1st, 2022, police reported, quote, During the last three weeks, we could not have completed the work necessary without the selfless help of others. The community's support has been absolutely incredible. As you know, from the time Michael went missing, this has been an all-hands-on-deck investigation, and it remains a very active and ongoing investigation. You can't take one of our most precious citizens from us and ever expect us to stop. During the course of this investigation to date, we received credible information that the remains of Michael Vaughn can be found in the backyard at 1102 Red Wing Street in Fruitland. And then he went on to explain that Sarah had been arrested and that, quote, the following day, the Fruitland Police Department joined by the Idaho State Police, the Idaho Mountain Search and Rescue, the Fruitland Fire Department, and the Fruitland Public Works Department began a very methodical excavation of the backyard of the Wondrous Home. During that excavation process, the Idaho Mountain Search and Rescue deployed multiple certified human remains detection dogs on the property, all of them alerting to the presence of human remains on that property. 
Now, tragically, though there is still no sign of Michael's remains, police maintained in the press conference that Michael was abducted and is now deceased. They believe that he was buried there at the Wondrous House, but that his body was later moved to a second location. They claim that the search of the house was productive and that additional evidence was removed to be processed. According to the arrest affidavit, Sarah first claimed that Stacy had killed Michael and buried him in the yard near their shed, telling arresting officers that God had told her about it. She continued to allege that she had nothing to do with Michael's disappearance or death, but later she changed her story. We hate that. Yeah, and claimed that it was actually Adrian who had killed Michael and that Stacy had only concealed the body. One source claimed that Stacy was actually the one who tipped police off about the possible location of the body and not Adrian or Brandon, as was previously thought, but this has not been confirmed or denied by police. It's just so hard because we can't trust Sarah anyway, you know, like she's the one, she says that God told her that Stacy did it. And then she's saying, wait, actually Adrian did it. Stacy was a part of it, but he didn't actually kill Michael and it was Adrian. But it's like she was the one who was arrested. So is she trying to put the blame on other people because she herself did it? Or is she telling the truth? And, and, and if so, which one is true? And the weirdest part about this entire thing is that she's not like denying that the situation happened at their house. She's yeah. not denying. She wasn't like, oh no, I, I don't know what you're, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I have no idea. She just immediately was like, oh, um, Stacy did it. Oh wait, no, um, Adrian did it. And, and I like, I wonder what Stacy and Adrian think of her telling police that they're the ones who did it. You know what I mean? Well, we also obviously know that Adrian and Brandon are kind of nowhere to be found, especially Adrian, which doesn't look good because people are the police, not people. The police aren't, there's no warrant out for his arrest. They just want to talk to him to see his side of things. And the fact that he's not willing to speak at all and he's God knows where now obviously looks really bad for him because maybe he was a part of it. But the fact that when police first came in and Sarah was like, wait, murder like he was murdered and then she's like oh i know he was murdered and i know who did it like yeah that's why i don't trust this lady and i guess what i'm getting at is that if you had nothing to do with the situation like that and police came to your door uh you think you would just say i have no fucking idea what you're talking about no she knows but but the fact that she's saying that she knows something whether it came to her by god or whether, you know, she was actually there witnessing what happened. The latter. She knows something, right? I mean, yeah. it, it appears she knows something. I think she was either a part of it or she saw it happen. And if police didn't believe that she had something to do with it, they would not have arrested her in the first place, right? Exactly. Well, shockingly and frustratingly, Sarah Wandra's charge of failing to report a death was dismissed at the request of the prosecutor's office. So shortly after she was arrested, she was found mentally unfit to stand trial, which, as we know, is kind of a rarity. And she was sent instead to inpatient psychiatric care. Then, to the dismay of Michael's family and everybody in the community, as soon as Sarah was found mentally fit, the charges against her were dismissed. However, she does remain in police custody for her gun charges stemming from the incident in April of 2022. 
And for threatening her house guest with a gun and then hiding the gun, she's also facing charges of evidence, uh, sorry, evidence destruction and aggravated assault with a weapon. In her home, she also possessed a criminal amount of opioids and is facing drug charges as well. So luckily, at least with all of this, she is still behind bars while police are really trying to figure out what happened here. So in addition to the fines, Sarah is looking at a minimum of five years in prison, which obviously isn't that much time, but it does kind of keep saying the word time. It does buy the police a little time. Now for Stacy Wandra, he remains in custody due to his own gun charges, whereas Adrian and Brandon remain free. Michael's family is still pleading with the community for answers, and they maintain how thankful they are for the Fruitland Police Force's response and said that, quote, they've become family. But now being about exactly two years since she's seen her son, it hasn't gotten any easier with Brandy saying, quote, I've just been a mess. A friend of the family's posted a video of Aria playing in the background talking and the person recording said, Buggy, who are you talking to? To which she responded, Monkey. One small victory to come out of Michael's tragic disappearance is the unveiling of Monkey's Law. Now this bill, which was signed into effect last year, creates an alert similar to an Amber Alert when someone goes missing. Like I mentioned earlier, the guidelines for official Amber Alerts are pretty strict and they don't apply in all missing persons cases, even for those involving children. But Monkey's Law makes them more accessible to the public. The governor signed the law into effect last year saying, quote, this bill is an example of fixing that deficiency. This bill gives law enforcement a critically needed tool for now for all classes of people into the future. Michael Vaughn would now be seven years old. He was last seen wearing a blue Minecraft t-shirt, dark colored boxer briefs with green stitching and blue flip flops. He was three feet, seven inches tall, weighed 50 pounds and had blonde hair and blue eyes. If you have any information about the disappearance of Michael Vaughn, please call Crime Stoppers at 208-343-2677 or email findmichael at fruitland.org. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this episode of Going West. Yes, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. And on Tuesday, we'll have an all-new case for you guys to dive into. Yes, we will. Uh, make sure that you share this one, because although it kind of feels like in some ways police have a general idea of what happened to him, there's still no answers. His family still doesn't have his remains. They don't know exactly what happened. They don't know exactly who to hold responsible. You know, as I said as well, Stacy and Sarah's time in jail is fleeting and two people are still pretty much at large. So please share. Yeah, exactly. As I mentioned earlier, um, Adrian is just somewhere out there. And if anybody knows where he is or knows him personally, just contact the police, the Fruitland Police Department, because we really want to get some answers. We need to figure out what happened to Michael. And it seems like police are really, really on that trail. They're they're getting a lot closer, but there's still so much that needs to be uncovered. Absolutely. And of course, we posted photos on our socials of everybody in question, so you can share that. And thank you so much in advance, and we'll see you next week. All right, guys. So for everybody out there in the world, don't be a stranger. Oh,
American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20.